It seems kind of hopeless right now, but you're going to figure this out. This is pretty debilitating. I'm able to turn my pain into purpose. There are people out in the world that do understand what you're going through. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Cassie about her chronic pain journey. Cassie's story is full of unknowns. Summing up her journey, she says, We know there's something wrong, but we can't put a name to it because the testing is not definitive. She has chronic joint pain, chronic fatigue, brain fog, and arthritic damage, but no inflammation on imaging. Her doctors are currently operating under the belief that she has rheumatoid arthritis. But Cassie's not convinced that that is the complete picture. Cassie has also been diagnosed with small fiber neuropathy, which I have also been diagnosed with, so I was very excited to talk to her about that. Although this chronic pain has upended Cassie's life, it has forced her to leave her dream job, to put her education on hold, and to reconsider everything she believed about her future. She does talk to us about the positives that have come of it, like her new belief in her ability to advocate for herself. This is a very fun conversation. Cassie did an awesome job. I'm very excited to bring it to you, and we'll get to it in just a couple minutes. I have a few exciting announcements to share with you. One of them is that recently I got a new computer. (laughs) Uh, My computer was really struggling and it was really slowing down everything that I was doing. I was getting to the point where I was pretty sure my computer was about to run its last process. (laughs) I switched from PC to Mac for the first time in my life. I got a MacBook Pro and it's been working so incredibly well. It's really opened up some possibilities for me. One of which is that I am now able to record video when I'm interviewing people for the podcast. So many of the conversations on this podcast are so personal and so intimate. And being able to show you, show the listeners what that conversation looks like is just being one step closer to being a part of the conversation. So now that I can record video, I'm experimenting with what to do with it. I am not creating a full video version of the podcast right now. I feel like that's just a bit too much for one person to create per week. (laughs) So it's not something I'm ready to commit to, but I am posting up clips from the video on our Instagram, TikTok, and particularly YouTube, where I'm hoping to post up some long form clips. If you're not subscribed to Major Pain on YouTube, now is a great time to check it out. I'll be experimenting with some new forms of video content, and I would love to share it with you. Another announcement this week, I have finally made a Facebook page for the Major Pain Podcast. This is not something I'd ever planned on doing. I had an interesting circumstance arise where I needed to have a Facebook page in order for Major Pain to be considered for something. You know, I'm always applying to grants and looking for new partnerships and stuff like that. And for the first time, someone I was talking to needed me to have a Facebook page. So now I have a Facebook page. (laughs) Now that I've created it, you know, I kind of want to keep it. I think it'd be a fun place for us to sort of gather digitally and discuss the latest episodes of the podcast. I've added the link to our Facebook page, to our list of links that are in the show notes of every episode. So I hope you will check it out and join me on Facebook. I wanted to share a comment from last week's episode with Griff about DID. This is from Andy, our very own Andy. It says, this episode is so incredible. One of the best podcast episodes I've ever listened to. Andy is, of course, my partner. We listened to this episode together, and I just love this episode with Griff from last week. It's one of my absolute favorite episodes 
You know, I try not to compare. I love everyone that comes on the show, but this one I just found to be particularly profound. So if you've not listened to our episode with Griff about dissociative identity disorder, you got to check it out. And speaking of Andy, we finally recorded our bonus episode for our Patreon subscribers for the month of December. We're a couple weeks late this month just because so much has been going on, but we chronicle all of that on a very fun bonus episode where Andy and I talk through our recent trip to Puerto Vallarta in Mexico with a side trip to Sayulita. It's such a fun episode. Our trip was completely improvised. We had planned to stay in one resort in Puerto Vallarta the whole time, but when we got there, we discovered it was a much older building than we expected, and my environmental uh, sensitivities were acting up, and we had to leave. Otherwise, I would have just gotten really sick and would have been a horrible vacation. So we just improvised the trip from there, and it was such an adventure. I'm really excited to share that whole story with our entire Patreon community. If you're interested in joining us over on Patreon, you can sign up to support this podcast for as little as $2 per month and gain access to our entire back catalog of bonus podcasts. There are 26 episodes, I believe, at this point, and they're all so much fun with myself and Andy. There's also so much more to be excited about on our Patreon campaign. Our $7 per month patrons not only get the bonus podcast, and special recognition in the end credits of this podcast, but they also get a gift of a Major Pain coaster made by my mom. And our $25 per month producers get all of the above, plus a beautiful Major Pain tote bag, also made by my mom. And they get thanked in the beginning of every single episode. Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia, thank you so much for being our Patreon producers. Signing up to support Major Pain on Patreon is the most direct way to support the creation of this podcast. I appreciate every single one of you in the Patreon community so much. And if you are a listener who loves this podcast and wants to support it, I hope you will consider signing up on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Major Pain Podcast. Another great way to support Major Pain is through our affiliate program with Rare Patient Voice. If you have a diagnosis of any kind or you are a caregiver, you qualify to participate in research studies and surveys through Rare Patient Voice, where you can be paid an average of $120 per hour for your time. Head to rarepatientvoice.com slash Podcast to sign up and support this podcast at the same time. This is such a cool program, a great way to participate in the future of therapies for your disease, and I hope you'll check it out. Don't forget to leave Major Pain a positive rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Major Pain Podcast. And reach out to me if you have questions for our guests, questions for me, questions about anything. Reach out, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. I always love to hear from you. I'll remind you as always that my guests and I are not medical professionals. Please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this podcast without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we'll jump into our fantastic episode with Cassie about her chronic pain journey. Cassie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you today. This is our second try. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first time we hopped on a Zoom call and you were on the road and we had a bad connection, so we decided to reschedule. And here we are a few weeks later. I'm so excited to finally get to talk to you. I'm excited too. I have been listening to your podcast like nonstop. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, thank you so much. That's so exciting. Well, let's get to know you a little bit before we jump into your story. So Cassie, why don't you tell us about yourself? 
All right. So I am 32, born and raised in Texas, lived here my whole life. I am a twin, an aunt to a precious little girl who is 15 months. I love dogs. I have three dogs. I have two cats. Spend a lot of time cuddled up with them at home. (laughs) I love nerdy things like Harry Potter, Star Trek, Star Wars. I do Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. I'm into it. All of it. Oh, awesome. I didn't know that you were a fellow nerd. What's your favorite Star Trek series? That's my favorite thing is Star Trek, obviously. (laughs) Uh, My favorite is Voyager and my husband is Deep Space Nine. Oh, wow. Awesome. Both great shows. I, I have this series where I green screen myself into Star Trek and I normally do The Next Generation, but I'm actually in the process of making a music video about the episode Threshold from Voyager where they cross the warp threshold. Do you remember that episode? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the worst episode of all Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I just watched that a couple days ago. It's so bad. Everyone needs to go watch it. I can't wait to see what a uh, music video looks like. <laughs> yeah, me too. I have a lot of work to do, but I'm, I'm excited about it. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into your story. So Cassie, what is your major pain? Well, uh, there's a lot. I feel like the biggest one that has kind of drawn me into the chronic illness world, so to speak, is what we believe to be rheumatoid arthritis. Still could have a diagnosis change because it's a relatively new diagnosis. And I pushed really hard to get a diagnosis. And it's early, which for those who have autoimmune disorder know that it usually takes like on average five to six years for a diagnosis. And I got mine within a year. So wow, it could change. Yeah. So you were living with a mystery chronic pain for a while, it sounds like. Yes, I was. Yeah. What What does your chronic pain feel like? I have chronic joint pain, uh, chronic fatigue, brain fog, The joint pain is um, primarily in the the metacarpals. uh, And then I also have in my feet, uh, around the toes. I also have back pain and knee pain. Could be related, could not. There is arthritic damage in those areas, Hmm. but no inflammation on the imaging. So they can't say for sure whether it's degenerative or autoimmune, which has been pretty much my whole story is a lot of, we know there's something wrong, but we can't put a name to it because the testing is not definitive. Yeah, that's super frustrating. When did this start? When did your chronic pain start? It started post-COVID. Oh. Well, okay, so to back up, about... Six months after my COVID infection, which was horrendous, I have asthma and I had a really, really hard recovery. It took about six months to fully regain my lung capacity Mm. and get off of nebulizers and daily inhalers. Wow. Uh, I went on a cruise right around that time, came back, had a weird stomach virus and ended up with chronic GI symptoms that, again, could 
didn't be identified or defined. Testing was all normal. And I saw a gastro doctor and she did more testing. I actually had to contact her and say, okay, my test results are back. What now? Never heard from her. The nurse said, your tests are fine. You'll have to speak to your primary. My primary at the time said, you probably have IBS. And I didn't agree with that because I know myself. I was in such excruciating pain. I was missing work. I decided, what the heck? Let me see if it's food allergies. So I referred myself to an allergist. (laughs) They did the allergy panel. And I came up with four food allergies that I had Mm. never had before. So he had me cut those out of my diet and four weeks to the day that I did the elimination diet for the first time, my hands started to swell. And that was the beginning right at Christmas 2022. 2022. Okay. So you were, we were a couple of years into the pandemic before you had COVID for the first time. 2021 was COVID at Christmas. I missed Christmas with my family because I had COVID. Almost a year to the date, I tested positive um, from COVID. My hand started swelling, and it was four weeks after I eliminated the food. Yeah. So you have COVID, and then over the course of the next year, your body just never really recovers. Things start to go haywire. Gastrointestinal symptoms, new food allergies. But that's so interesting that going off of the foods that you tested allergic to, it sounds like that was almost a trigger for something else going wrong. I mean, what, right. what, do you, what do you make of that? What did your doctors make of that? No one could really uh, point a finger to it. I ended up having to fight to get a rheumatology appointment because I knew something immune related was going on based on that trajectory. They had done x-rays of my hand and there was nothing on there. And she wanted to refer me to a uh, bone doctor, brain fog. I lose <laughs> words. Um, I lose words when my pain is heightened. Uh, yeah. And anyways, so wanted to refer me to them. I called to make an appointment, and they said, "What body part?" And I said, "You pick. It all hurts." <laughs> <laughs> and they said, "Well, we can only see you for one body part at a time, and only on one side of your body." Hmm. what do you mean it's all my skeleton and so I ended up saying okay you know don't don't worry about it I'm gonna call my primary again and see if I can get a referral to rheumatology because I don't think that this is the right facility for me to see I argued with my doctor for a while she sent the referral that rheumatologist initially said it it seems like based on your lab work and your symptoms that you might have an inflammatory arthritis. So we'll put you on medicine, we'll check in, we'll see how you do in three months. The medicine alone was not enough. I was never able to come off of the anti-inflammatory medications. I was on meloxicam for a while, and then there was another one that I can't remember. Every time that I would try to stop taking them, it would all start again. In the meantime, I was also experiencing increasing pain, nerve pain. Wasn't sure whether it was related or not. In May of last year, 
the rheumatologist said, I don't think that this is an inflammatory arthritis because your lab work has changed and it's in normal limits now, which it was not. It was slightly elevated still, which meant the medication probably helped a little, but not the way that it should. He said, it's probably overuse, but we'll wait for an MRI of your hand, which could take three months. Stop taking the medicine that I prescribed. You can take anti-inflammatories. And I said, overuse? Are you kidding me? In my entire body? What about the burning pain? Like, this is not overuse. Mm. I, I know I, you know, work on a computer, but this is not, I'm telling you, this isn't it. And yeah. he, he said, well, we'll wait to see the, with the MRI. I just was dumbfounded. So that spurred me to get an appointment with pain management, a new primary care doctor, and a new rheumatologist. Yeah. All within a week. I saw wow. all three fighters. Well, good for you. That's so important sometimes to be willing to just, you know, cut and run, switch doctors, try something new. I was so upset. I was distraught, really, because I the whole time I had felt like nobody was listening to me. And it's so hard when you know there's something wrong, but nobody will acknowledge it because you don't look like there's something wrong. Yeah. I was still going to work every day. But when I wasn't at work, I was sleeping 24-7. My entire weekends were spent sleeping. I couldn't drive to see my family because it hurt so bad. My family all lives two hours away, and I could not get in the car for two hours. It hurt so bad. Yeah. The pain management doctor, God bless him. I know people have mixed opinions about pain management, but he was the first one to say, I believe you. It does sound autoimmune. Keep fighting for an answer. And it sounds like you have nerve pain as well. So I'm going to put you on medicine for that. Hmm. And he was right. Whether or not it's related, I don't know. But I ended up getting a diagnosis of small fiber neuropathy uh, October of wow. last year. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're disease twins on that one. Yes. <laughs> And what did that feel like to, to get that diagnosis? Was that a sense of validation? It was um, because that was the first and only test I've had that has had a definitive, conclusive answer. Yeah. Don't know what's causing it. It could be autoimmune or not, but it's a piece of paper that I can show people and say, no, I have this. Yeah, totally. I'm assuming you did the uh, the punch biopsy where they take a piece of your skin and look at it under a microscope? That's what I did, at least. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. So the neurologist I saw said, based on your neurology exam, based on the negative EMG and nerve conduction study, we think that you have this. It's up to you to decide whether you want the punch biopsy or not. I can give you the clinical diagnosis without it. And... <laughs> I was like, no, I want to know. <laughs> I want something that says, this is what you have. Yeah. And so, <laughs> totally. which I have a really funny story. Okay. So, you know, the scars, they, mine, I don't know if yours did this. Mine got where like a little raised as it was healing. The scar itself, once the scab fell off, 
but I wear pants a lot for my job and I don't like inspect my skin when I'm like going to bed or anything or changing or, you know, getting in the shower and my hands don't work so well. So I don't shave very often my legs. Um, and so I was sitting on the couch and my pant leg moved and I saw one of the scars and I went, what is that? <laughs> I had a total panic attack thinking I had some new mole or something that had formed, but I had completely <laughs> forgotten about the punch biopsy and that it would scar freaking out at like 11 o'clock at night. My husband's in bed. I'm having a total panic attack and <laughs> I ended up going to the bathroom and in the course of doing my business I saw the one on my thigh and I was like what there's two of them and then it clicked in my head that um I should probably check the third site that they did a punch biopsy on and there it was and I realized it was my scars so you know <laughs> you're like there's like a bug on me <laughs> yeah it was wow. very comical to look back on now and be like, yeah, okay, that was a total overreaction on your part, Cassie. But I feel like that's also a common experience of people with chronic illness is that anytime something is different in their body, the immediate reaction is, what now? Yeah, oh, we, we all become so hyper aware of our bodies. And when anything yes. changes, it's like, this means something. This is a sign of, you know, the eventual diagnosis that I've been trying to get for so long. Yeah. But yeah, the, the scars from the punch biopsy are kind of strange because, you know, they, they take a little plastic tool with a piece of like a, a metal ring on the bottom and they just like shove it down into your skin. And then they take, mm -hmm. for me, they, they take tweezers and then they pull out the entirety of like all your layers of skin in one little tiny yeah. cylinder that they you know, then send off to a lab somewhere. I had five punches taken and a couple of them on my forearms that have, you know, those have like really healed. I can't really even see them anymore, barely see them anymore. Um, but the ones on my uh, feet and legs are still like, you know, bright red dots that have not really healed that much. And that's where I was actually testing positive was on my, you know, lower extremities. So I think maybe something about having small fiber neuropathy and the nerve damage, maybe it makes it harder to heal or something. So I just have these, you know, these circular red dots where those punches were taken, but it was super worth it because I also had that validation of like, Hey, you finally have a positive test result. We can actually say definitively you have chronic pain and here's proof, actual proof on a piece of paper that says that your body hurts, which, you know, yes. with an invisible illness, is almost impossible to get. So it's it's really, really gratifying. Yes. And I still don't have any positive test results for my autoimmune disorder. We're operating off of a clinical diagnosis and response to medication. The small fiber neuropathy diagnosis was, to me, just so validating because, like you said, I have proof. Yeah. And it was also interesting because I got a copy of the test results and I have half of the nerve fiber density that you should have. Wow. So it's quite a significant portion. And they said that it was non-length dependent. So you can have length dependent or non-length dependent 
is what the neurologist told me. Of course, I went to Google to find more information because doctors don't educate. They mm. just say, here's some medicine, go, bye. Yeah. And I want to know. I want to know what's going on and what it means. Non-length dependent, which is what, what mine said, means that instead of starting at your feet and working upwards in a symmetrical pattern, it starts somewhere else and spreads in that way. And once it could be on just one side or both sides, but at different levels. And so my thigh and knee biopsy were worse than my ankle, meaning that it started somewhere in my thigh or knee. It's worse on my right side than my left side. They only biopsied my right side, but the pain is worse on that side. But the interesting thing to me is that Google, love Google, I found a research article that said non-length dependent small fiber neuropathy is linked to autoimmune or an inflammatory response. It's more linked. You can have it either way, but it's more, more likely that it's an autoimmune or inflammatory condition causing it versus the other type. So I don't have conclusive proof that they're related, but I do think they are. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, small fiber neuropathy is always caused by something. You know, I, the most common cause is diabetes, but there's new evidence linking it to mast cell activation syndrome, which is what I've been diagnosed with. We, we believe that's the cause of my small fiber neuropathy, especially because all of the, the burning, tingling pain symptoms got better when I started treating MCAS. So in your case, you're thinking that it's likely autoimmune caused, potentially rheumatoid arthritis, but I'm getting the sense that you feel like there is the potential that there is some other autoimmune condition at work that you just haven't uncovered yet. Is that is that how you feel? Yes, we have discovered on my dad's side of the family, there's a history of rheumatoid arthritis and ankylosing spondylitis. Okay. And uh, that's an auto-inflammatory condition in your back. And I have damage to my SI joints and some of the facets in my lower lumbar. The pain worsens when I'm having a pain flare. And when I take steroids or anti-inflammatories, it lessens. Okay. Uh, steroids are kind of one of the litmus tests of an autoimmune condition. If your symptoms lessen when you're on them and they come back immediately when you come off of them, a lot of rheumatologists will say that it's more likely that you have an autoimmune. And especially for, for people like me who don't have any antibodies in their blood, so no tests to point to anything, it's really useful for some rheumatologists to do that. Yeah, totally. What was the medication that you tried for small fiber neuropathy? Sounds like a nerve pain medication. Yeah, I'm on gabapentin. I know that's a mixed result depending on who you ask. It has helped somewhat. I still experience pain pretty much consistently. It's just to a lesser degree. Mm. But I'm on a high dose of it. So uh, it's a miracle that I am able to get up and not be asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gabapentin, definitely a mixed bag for how people react to it. But that's one of those drugs where if you react well to it, that's, you know, 
Uh, awesome. And then what were the drugs you were trying for uh, rheumatoid arthritis? Was it uh, biologic? So initially I was put on uh, Plaquenil, the hydroxychloroquine. So Plaquenil is the brand name. That was the one where it wasn't effective. And so I was immediately written off by the rheumatologist, mm. which just still blows my mind. Yeah. After that, I tried sulfasalazine, and that was also not effective. So both of those are a class of medicine, DMARD, disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drug. DMARD. <laughs> <laughs> so insurance is, you know, great. We love insurance sometimes. And so insurances will often require you to fail two of those types of medications before putting you on a biologic. So I would say that I failed both of those. Methotrexate is also a DMARD, but it's also a chemo drug. Mm -hmm. And you cannot get pregnant on methotrexate. And I am young. I'm 32. I'm still able to have kids. I would love to have kids if I can get my pain situation under control. So my rheumatologist opted to try the biologic instead. So I started Humira in August and immediately saw a mark, like marked difference. My symptoms are not completely gone, but I was able to come off of the steroids. She added Plaquenil back in because I was having these dips about three or four days before my next Humira dose. And so the hope is that as I'm on both of them and continue to be on them, that extra medicine will carry me through. So we'll see. My last labs done in January were the lowest inflammation levels I've had since this all started. I'm hoping, my fingers are crossed, that it continues to go well. I will have to miss about a month of Humira coming up because I'm having surgery to remove a fibroid from my uterus that was found during all of my testing that we knew nothing about, weren't even looking for, but it's it's sizable enough that it has to come out before it causes more problems. That's a lot to go through at once. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've done an episode about ankylosing spondylitis but I don't know if biologics are helpful for AS, which is, you know, in the same sort of family of diseases as rheumatoid arthritis. Do you know if that's the case, if a biologic can be helpful with AS as well as RA? It can. There's less options than rheumatoid arthritis. I believe Humira is one that can help both. So we'll see. I still have pretty bad pain in my uh, lower back. And I don't think that it will ever go away, but I have moderate damage, I believe is what the, the report said to the SI joints. I believe that if the original rheumatologist had listened to me, it would not have gotten to that point. Yeah. Um, so the original rheumatologist was with a pretty large hospital system in my area. I won't name names. I asked them for a second opinion and the medical director denied my request and said that they agreed with the original doctor's assessment based on his 
notes without speaking to me. I carry a lot of bitterness and anger towards them. Something I'm kind of working on in therapy because I really do feel like if they had listened to me, not just operated on testing results, but really listened to me as a patient and what I was experiencing, it wouldn't have gotten as bad as it did. Yeah, that's really, that's really tough. You know, I can totally relate to that. It took me over a decade to get a diagnosis. You know, I, my problems became severe in my 20s, but I did have issues going back to second grade that were kind of stumping my doctors. But it was really for about a decade that I was like, you know, really searching and then finally got a diagnosis. I also have small fiber neuropathy. You know, I have nerve damage that we've documented. And I, I try not to think about what would have happened differently if I had found the diagnosis early. Because first of all, it doesn't do me any good, you know, because I can't go back in time, unfortunately, which would be very cool, but that is not an option at this time. <laughs> but also because I've, I've learned so much about myself along the way, and it's really changed who I am as a person to have to struggle through chronic illness. And it's helped me to sort of grow my sense of empathy. Is that something that you feel like you've experienced in the last couple of years since this started? I think that... I have always had that hmm. um, only because I've always had disabilities. So I was born without hearing in one ear. My cochlea was never formed. Wow. Uh, I have struggled with mental health on and off my whole life. And I recently found out I also have ADHD. So the empathy, I feel like, has always been there. My husband is a disabled veteran. Uh, he was injured in Iraq. He has a TBI. I think that what changed for me was not necessarily the empathy, because like I said, it's always been there, but the knowledge that you have to be your own advocate and the doctors, not all of them are there to help people. They may have started out that way, but the hospital systems are kind of a money machine, really. And the quicker they get people in and out, the more people they can see and the more they can build insurance. I also work with insurance, so I know a little bit about how medical billing goes. And so more so, I feel like the veil was lifted, so to speak, for me regarding that. Yeah. Yeah. So something illuminating has come from it, but not necessarily in a positive way. <laughs> <laughs> I think. So I think it is positive because I feel like I believe in my capabilities to advocate for myself a little mm. bit better. Yeah. Uh, I think I also have learned that, you know, I have to help myself because I can't rely on other people. I've learned to be a problem solver in a different way. Yeah, that's awesome. So how, how is your pain level now, now that you're on gabapentin and uh, biologics? We have a potential diagnosis, one diagnosis that is locked in, one that is, you know, still kind of hovering around maybe this, maybe that, but you're on some medication that is aimed at treating this thing that has been, you know, afflicting you for the last couple of years. How has that improved your pain level? Like, where was it before and where do you think it is now? Before, when I was unmedicated, I would hover around an eight or a nine uh, wow. on my work days. 
Friday evenings into Saturdays after I'd worked a full week was excruciating. Probably part of the reason I slept so much because when you're asleep, you don't feel pain. Now on my worst days, I'm between a three to a four on a pain scale, but it's always there, always in the back of my mind, nagging at me. I am on a controlled substance pain medication as well, primarily for my back. But I do think that I experience flares with my hands and that it helps that as well because just last night with the weather changes and everything, I didn't get home until later than I normally do when I take that medicine. And by the time that I got home, I was in excruciating pain and could barely breathe. It hurt so bad. I would like just tense and just hold my breath because I would get these stabbing pains in my hands and my feet. And it's not the nerve pain, right? So like it's, I I go through these, okay, is it a, a burning pain? Is it a stabbing pain? Is it aching? Like all of these different pains mean different things. Mm-hmm. And so I have to take stock of like, what what does this one mean? What does this one mean? I don't know if that answered your question because I, I forgot. I forgot what the question <laughs> Well, I, I'm really glad to hear that your baseline pain level is way lower. But I totally know that being in a three or a four all day, every day really wears on you. Being in a you know seven or eight for a couple of minutes versus being in a three or a four all day, every day Neither of them are good, you know? <laughs> no, and they're I, not. I, yeah. I try not to compare different illnesses and different pains because there is no comparison. It's just this, these are the things that you're living with and these are the things that you're having to adapt to. But that's still, you know, a significant amount of pain to be in all day, every day. Obviously, this affects your ability to work. You said, you know, you get home Friday after a week of work and you're in rough shape. Did you ever have to cut back on your hours? Was that something that was ever an option? It did affect my uh, ability to work. In fact, I ended up leaving the clinical position that I was in that I loved, absolutely loved that job. I loved the people, my clients, the families. Very few people get to say that they had their dream job. And I feel like I did. And I left that job because I felt like I was letting people down. I was no longer meeting my. Uh, requirements for the job for the number of hours that I was supposed to put in with insurance doing reimbursable activities for insurance. I was spending so much time at the doctor. Like, I think I I had to put it all down for an FMLA and I was over 40 hours in one month at the doctor. For various testing and treatment and, you know, my therapy appointments. And so I I left that job, went to a home-based position because uh, it's a little more flexible as far as, you know, being able to schedule appointments and in between my my job appointments. And uh, that was a whole issue in and of itself because I joined a company that did not honor what their contract said. 
and I lost income and money. And so I had to change jobs again to a different company, which I am, I'm still at this new company and they have been phenomenal. Uh, but I, I miss my job. You know, I miss the people that, that I work with. It's not the same. Yeah. This disease has taken a lot from you in just a couple of years. And as you mentioned, you're young, you're 32. It's not in anyone's life plan to start suffering from chronic illness in your 30s. <laughs> so, yeah. So how do you feel about this? I mean, how do you feel about the fact that this thing sort of came out of nowhere? Seems like it was triggered by COVID, which, you know, hopefully someday they'll figure out what's going on there, but it's still such a new disease. It seems like it's been around forever at this point, but there's still so much we don't know about it. But there's just this element of this isn't fair. You know, it's not fair for something like this to happen to you. How do you feel about that? It's not fair. You know, that's what I think a lot. It's not fair. Would I have developed this without COVID? It seems like it's in my genes based on uh, what my family history is. But we, we didn't know that family history. So if you don't know your family history, please go find out. Uh, mm. If there is stuff, ask. Just because you don't know doesn't mean that it wasn't there. My family didn't freely volunteer this information until I started experiencing this. And my dad found out from the relative that had experienced something similar just by sharing what was going on with me. So please go ask your family. I often think, would it have happened if not for COVID? This whole thing, I think because it's so new for me, I still feel some anger and, and resentment and grief because it has completely changed my life. We were speaking, my husband and I had been talking about trying to start a family um, just months before all of this started. And now we've put that on hold because... I have to be able to not just get through a pregnancy, but take care of a baby. And I can't do that right now. Yeah, I absolutely relate to this. This is something that has been talked about much in my life as well. You know, um, that desire to have a family and to want to be there for kids, but not being sure if your body is going to be up for it or not. And that's a personal journey that we all have to take on for ourselves and it's really, really tough. You know, it's so hard when something out of your control takes over your body, refuses to let you go, insists on being a, a companion with you, whether you want it to be or not, and then forces you to change all these life decisions. You had to let go of your dream job. You're having to question whether or not you can have kids. You know, none of this is fair, but there's also nothing that you can do about it. You know, well, you're doing everything you can. You know, there's <laughs> nothing you can do to get it to go away. You can only learn how to live with it. And it sounds like you are very tenacious in doing so. You've done a ton of research. You're learning about your different diagnoses. You're switching doctors. You're continuing to knock down doors trying to get help. So what's next for you on this journey? Are you going to continue to push for more diagnostic testing to try to figure out if you have RA or AS? Or you know, what's next on this journey for you? In two weeks, uh, I'm having surgery for the fibroid. Uh, there's the possibility that that fibroid could be causing my body to go haywire. And so we'll see. Uh, I don't hold a lot of uh, hope in that being the case. Uh, 
maybe. And then after that, I am going to probably ask for the blood test for AS. Uh, it's not conclusive, but it's a gene test. If you have this particular gene, it's like 70% likely that you could develop AS in your lifetime. Based on my family history, I would like to get that test because it could explain some of the additional pain outside of my hands. Do I think I have RA? Probably. Do I think there's something else also? Yes. And I don't yeah. think we know that as yet. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. And there's a lot of talk about how um, autoimmune conditions tend to hunt in packs when they attack us. <laughs> How has this affected your relationships? You've talked a lot about your husband and, you know, these difficult choices that you've had to make. How else has this affected your personal relationships? I think that there is a silver lining in all of this and that my family, we didn't used to send messages and text message a lot. My sister and I were raised to be very independent. Uh, and we didn't always uh, get along. My mom has stories of telling us, don't come inside until you're done yelling at each other. Uh, because we would just scream at each other. Now, I have a really strong relationship with my sister. Part of that is she had her first baby, who is just precious. I adore her so much. But even then, I don't know that it would have developed our relationship in the same way as constantly sending these updates of, you know, this is what the doctor said. Okay, this is what's next. I think chronic illness reminds people that we don't get to be here forever. We don't know our, our time on Earth. I do think that there is that silver lining yeah, wow, that's a really powerful message to sort of internalize. Well, I have one more question to ask you. So if you could go back in time right before you got COVID and bring yourself a message from the future, knowing that you can't change what's going to happen, but just trying to give yourself one piece of advice for how to handle what's about to happen to you, what would it be? I think the message you know, would be don't give up. Don't give up on a diagnosis, on the relationships in your life, on your career. Oh, I didn't even mention I was a PhD student and I have stopped the program um, as of this summer because of all of this. I couldn't keep up. But don't give up. Just because I can't do it now doesn't mean I can't do it someday. I think that's the message I would give myself. Yeah, awesome. Cassie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I know that you are still in the midst of your story. So if you have updates, if you get a new diagnosis or a confirmed diagnosis, please let me know. Are you interested in hearing from listeners if anyone has any thoughts or ideas or recommendations for you? Absolutely. I, like I said, I don't think I have all the answers. So whether it's treatment or diagnosis related, I would be happy to um, have people reach out. Awesome. Okay. Well, if people are interested in doing so, send me an email, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. I will forward that along to Cassie. And Cassie, tell us where can people go to connect with you online or anything else that you'd like to plug? 
I have a, a public Instagram that's more of a personal account than uh, my biz. I do have some side businesses that are related to my career. But my personal public profile, if you will, for connecting with people in the community is chronically Cassie. And that's Cassie with an I-E, C-A-S-S-I-E. So you can find me on Instagram. I think I have a TikTok, but I don't use it. (laughs) So probably not there. If you find me on TikTok, don't send me a message because I won't won't see it. (laughs) But... um, Instagram is the best place to find me. Awesome. And I'll tag you on Instagram when this episode is live. Well, Cassie, I really wish you the best in your journey. I know exactly what it feels like to know that something's wrong in your body, but not have the full picture of what that is and not have any idea what steps to take. So I'm glad that you have some idea and some steps and some things that are working, but I I hear you that there are things left to uncover. So I'm sending you all my positive vibes in the hopes that those things can be found. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com. Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Alexandria Henderson, Justin Minnick, Heather Muncy, and Robert, and our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast.